Hello, I'm Cameron Penamone. And I'm Stephanie Ledesma. And this is Drunk, Drunk Art, Art Chat. Chat. Yes, it is. <laughs> Just this awkward opening. So, um, to kind of celebrate Pride Month, yeah. actually not to kind of, to celebrate Pride Month, but also to kind of piggyback off our last episode, we are going to keep talking about how um, certain artists, certain people get taken advantage of in the art world, mm-hmm. and how um, there's profit, but people aren't being um, paid or acknowledged actually and and this one is this episode is something that's close to my heart something i really love and care about and something that you are basically all your favorite things right now stem from this it comes from this documentary (laughs) am i right cam i think you're right are there any quotes you want to say I mean, I only know the one the most. Do it. Opulence. You own everything. That is the original quote. Everything is yours. You want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. <laughs> so um, in the world where drag is now super popular with RuPaul, like, totally just making it very accessible, um... A lot of things in RuPaul's Drag Race stem from this documentary called Paris is Burning, Mm -hmm. which some of you, if you actually pay attention to RuPaul's Drag Race when you're watching it, um, the reading challenge, he actually says, per like Paris is Burning, we're going to do the reading challenge. Paris is Burning um, was actually a ballroom event that took place in, I would say, late 60s to early 90s in Brooklyn, New mm-hmm. York. Um, it is the ballroom scene uh, featuring a lot of queer people of color, but Paris is Burning is also the title of the documentary that came out in 1991, um, around August 91. And it was directed by Jenny Livingston, and Cam just saw it today for the first yeah. time. <laughs> what did you think? I thought it was really good and very sad. Yeah, it is uh, sad. There's a lot of, like, heavy parts in it, too. Um, but it's also just, like, very beautifully done. Um, and I'm not the only one who thinks that because Stephanie was telling me that it won, like, a bunch of awards. <laughs> yeah, it, um, um, a very well-known film festival that still goes on today it won a sundance mm-hmm. award award mm-hmm. so it was very it got a lot of good reviews during its time and even now it's pretty much legendary at this point um a lot of gay culture or queer culture um but particularly i say a lot of like white cis 
male gay culture takes mm-hmm. a lot from this movie. Mm-hmm. And which is really sad because the movie is all about queer people of a color, especially trans people. Mm-hmm. That is heavily predominant in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sad thing is, I mean, a good and bad thing is like, these people that made this film or were featured in the documentary, they didn't make it. Um, the people that were featured and were interviewed are such great characters. They're so, like, if they were just born in the right time, they all could have been, like, celebrities and stars. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just great personalities, great people. But because of the time and because of the color of their skin and because, you know, they were queer and, you know, just, I guess, transgendered the ones that suffered the most, you know, the, mm-hmm. it, it's just really sad. Well, it was just like it was sort of set up in the beginning. I, I'm sorry, I don't know who set, who's saying it, because um, it's kind of like a voiceover at first, I believe. But this, like, like oh, my father told me that I have three strikes against me because I'm black, black male, like, and I'm gay. And, like, I, I don't remember if it was because they dress like a woman or they're trans, but... Like, yeah, but essentially the odds are very much against them. Um, Not that it's any, like, I mean, it's still pretty, pretty much the same story today, but there's, yeah, but, but being that there's stuff like RuPaul's Drag Race, like, I, it's like, these people in the documentary, I just like, can very easily like, transplant them into like, some sort of challenge like I see like where the connections are happening um there like they're it's I don't know there's something I think about that like one thing that I walked away with after that and we'll talk about what we're gonna talk about but just like since I'm still sitting in these like feelings about it yeah I almost got (laughs) choked up actually just watching it again like I just walked away with this sense of like the queer community just like knows itself and it's just like strength and um i don't know there's just like that because in this film (laughs) like it's the it centers around like the chosen family kind of concept yes which today is also still extremely strong in the queer community and sometimes RuPaul actually pushes mm-hmm. a lot when, yeah. you know, you can't love your... How can you love anyone else? You can't love yourself. How can you love anyone else? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And, like, cho- choosing your family. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interject. But, well, like... Yeah, he, he does bring that up a lot. Um, and But and I, I'm not saying, like, Ru stole that necessarily. I think that is just something that is just... That's been... something in queer culture, culture in general. Yeah. But I think RuPaul has tried to make it more of a, like, universal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I just, I, there is just, like, I don't know how to articulate it very well, but just, like, like, I'm in awe of, like, the just strength that emanates, I don't know, from that. I think, so the ballrooms, we're talking specifically what is featured in Paris is Burning, is, like, Mm -hmm. the 80s ballroom scene in New York, um, that definitely has a lot of strength, but the thing that makes me sad about Paris is Burning is... Um, which it's kind of getting traction now, but a lot of people, like, when Cam saw it, I was just like, every, when you watch this, everything you think about RuPaul's Drag Race is from this. Yeah. And how did you feel about that, actually? I just want to know your opinions, like, here and everything. Yeah, I think, 
It was weird because I'm like because you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my first introduction to a lot of it. I mean, I I guess like I don't know. Like when I was younger in my twenties, um, <laughs> so young. Oh um, I I mean I did hang out like in our in Chicago's boys town and like I, I you would catch a lot of it there too. But like it, like I know that it's more mainstream because of like RuPaul's stuff but but it's also not because of RuPaul like like he brought it to the mainstream or whatever and so seeing like it just felt like a like I didn't feel like I was watching something from the 80s minus like the clothes and the fashion of the time (laughs) but like just hearing the way they spoke I was like whoa like it's not that different at all. Like, this is what I'm used to. All the Queen's English lingo that is really hot right now is pretty much from Paris's burden, minus, like, the term yeah. mopping, I think. But, yeah, like, you know, that, but like, the finger-waving and the yes, Queen, and, everything. like, all that is from Paris's burning from that Realness, subculture. Realness, shade. Yeah. Like, all this stuff, like, I didn't know it was... I, it's not, I guess, that old, but... It's older than I thought it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel dumb. <laughs> but it's, yeah, definitely required reading <laughs> as in watching because <laughs> you can't really read it. But um, yes, I was like, whoa, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of excited to see Cam's expression because, um, I mean, I've watched, Ru- I watched RuPaul's Drag Race before Paris is Burning. But I forgot where I read it, but, like, someone was just, like, a lot of what's on RuPaul's mm-hmm. race. You know, RuPaul himself is very inspired by this documentary and the ballroom scene. Um, and so, like, I went and watched, and I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, as more seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race come, you know, happen, and, you know, I, I don't know how long that that TV series is going to go on, but, like, I just feel like there's just more references Us- also like the main premise like category it like categories categories yeah <laughs> categories in general are from that time and like a real thing and it's not like something he just like created um there's so much yeah and, actually and houses like the family like, drag families that sort of stuff like yep so all of that is already a thing. <laughs> now now we know what Paris is Burning yeah. is. Um, I totally recommend, if you haven't seen it before we drop this episode, that you do. But how does it relate to what we're going to talk about um, from last week mm-hmm. and also with art? So in my head, all the people that were interviewed in Paris is Burning, and I should really pull up that list, so give me just a sec. So all the people that were interviewed, it stars Dorian Corey, Pepper LaBeja, Venus Extravaganza, Octavia St. Laurent, Willie Ninja, Angie Extravaganza, So Pendavis, Freddie Pendavis, Junior Junior LaBeja, and Paris Dupree. Um, All these people are artists in my head. Mm -hmm. I I believe they truly are. Like, they're doing Mm -hmm. the art of drag, the art of Vogan, um... Make the up. art of realness. And the art of realness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just feel like they're all, like, these beautiful, like, performers. This is the kind of performance art I dig. Mm-hmm. So, um, all these wonderful, beautiful artists um, obviously agree 
to um, do this documentary. Uh, somehow Jenny Livingston got close enough because I... the director. Yes, Jenny Livingston's the director who was a student at the time. Um, so this was like for her grad, I guess. I think she was in grad school. Mm. Um, so she was going to do this documentary. And I actually think she didn't even go to school for like video. Like she just mm. maybe for journalism or something. Oh, okay. And so she's like, I'm going to do this documentary. Um, and actually, the interesting thing that I learned was how she got into the ballroom scene was a lot of these performers, these um, queer people, in order to survive, a lot of them either lived off the pier and were sex workers mm-hmm. or um, performed in the parks. You know, they would perform the Vogue and made it more, um, try to make it more mainstream in the public eye. And I guess she just started like conversation with one of them. And eventually gained her trust and was like, this is so cool. Like, I want to do a documentary on it. So she convinced them all to do that. And the sad thing is, this documentary did so well, but none of the artists that were featured in the movie got paid very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's something that, like, kind of ties into what we were talking about um last week which was the um art show or not art show but art piece that andrea bowers created using photos of people that she did not have consent to use um this is a little different because these people did consent they did consent to this um so it is a little different yeah but i think what we're getting at is like compensation yes ultimately um especially because in this film everybody is struggling it's very clear and that's what makes the film sad yeah and and to think of it like that is kind of what helped give it money like i don't know like i guess my brain is like okay, well, maybe you can send some of those proceeds to them. And it sounds like some folks did get paid, but based on the amount of money that the movie made, there's, I don't know, to me it feels like a large discrepancy. Yes. Um, so going back to my Wikipedia article that I have up, um, Jenny Livingston basically did, like, tell them, like, hey, it's just a documentary. Like, you know, you might not get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually, like, no agreement to this, but the producers kind of initially planned to distribute, like, around $55,000 to, um, to, to the artists that were all featured in the film. That was 13 of them, mm-hmm. and that was a fifth of the sale price of the film to Miramax, and, um, only two of them, Dorian Corey and Willie Ninja, were, you know, okay with that price. Uh, the rest of the people, which rightfully so, um, that um, were told about this, decided to sue, um, and unfortunately, they all signed some standard model like agreement, so they couldn't really sue and just kind of had to accept the payment, mm-hmm. which we talked about earlier. But um, yeah. Paris Dupree, which basically Paris is burning, mm-hmm. named after him, and actually Paris Dupree. Actually, I don't know what they go by, so I'm going to just safely say they. Par- Paris Dupree is kind of acknowledged for creating Vogan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm so into Vogan right now. Mm-hmm. That was like Paris Dupree. So um, 
Initially, they planned on suing for $40 million, but I guess maybe it got dropped just because they all signed. They all, um, unfortunately, probably didn't have attorneys when they signed this, like, release thing. Exactly. Yeah, like, that seems... I don't know. Whoops. But that was a lot of controversy at the time of the film, and obviously Jenny Livingston kind of downplayed it in interviews. But, like, you know... It took, I have the numbers, the budget for the film, and they got funded too, was $500,000. And the box office made over $3 million. There's obviously a huge discrepancy. Yeah. And like overall, what was it, 12 people officially like featured or? 13. 13. Yeah. So. And two of them were fine with accepting the 55 So you can even count those out, yeah. I guess, if they don't want more. But but also they were, like you said, like Willie Ninja was like more successful anyway. Like, so yeah, they were so probably okay. I like, think Willie, I mean, even the film, he seems to be the most successful, like the most um, like financially. Yeah, probably doing. Stable, because in the film you see him like teaching models how to walk. So obviously he's getting paid for runway work. But later on, um, you know what? Madonna's Vogue becoming so big, he he made Vogan a thing. Like Vogan was hot mm-hmm. for a bit, mm-hmm. and now it's hot again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's. It just is kind of upsetting that like, even though it's probably not standard to like pay the subjects after, it's just like these types. You know, I don't know any like. Why does all that money have to go to a huge company? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Capitalism? I don't know. Um, yeah. And the, and the thing Racism? Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing that is upsetting to me, too, is just, like, I don't know. I just, I, it's probably not true, but, like, I just, or, like, not wholly true, but I just keep having this picture of, like, a bunch of, like, liberal white people going to see the movie and being all, like, here's my money and, like, being, like, mom, mom, mom. And it's just... I'm so enlightened, but, like, like I'm not donating to the actual cause. Yeah, I don't know. It's And, it, and it's, like, uh, I feel like there's a word for this, or, like, a phrase that is, like, I don't know. Self-gratifying? No, yes, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I'll well, think of it, like, probably after we're done recording. I think what Cam's but... trying to say is, like, so this movie is about queer people of color, mm-hmm. and... That is a thing we all as, like, not just liberals, just people should be aware of that, you know, they don't have as many opportunities as other people do, as a de- definitely as other demographics do. Yeah. And some liberals will be like, I'm going to see this film and become more cultured and more self-aware. And, like, there's some self-gratification of, like, I'm so knowledgeable and so woke. and mm-hmm. But they're, like, not really... Helping, yeah, they're not really doing anything. You're just learning about stuff, but you're not actually helping the people who actually are in need. You're not helping that culture. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? I yeah, guess that's I kind mean, of the feeling I got. Yes, yeah. As long as that's coming across, I guess. Like, just like you're just going into it for like the like emotional, like, um, you know, entertainment. I don't know how to put it. I'm so this I I know that there's like a phrase for it like that ends in the word porn. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But it's not like actually about porn, but it's like that emotional porn kind of thing like you're you're like doing it for like your own pleasure, but yeah. it's also like I don't know. So it doesn't feel appropriate or right 
and I can't think of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so just ignore every single word that I say ever. Cool. <laughs> Deal. But, yeah, no, I get that. Like, you know, all these white people, all these white, and I say it woke in quotes, people, you know, trying to better learn the situation, but they're not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. um, they're just watching the situation. And, like, you could actually say nothing has changed because queer people of color still have the same struggles. Yeah. They still, a lot of them still end up, end up being sex workers or a lot of them end up dealing drugs which is what a lot of the artists um i don't know specifically if any of the artists that were interviewed in this mm -hmm. documentary but a lot of people that were um a part of the ballroom culture and were in houses that's the way they were able to afford like the clothes to walk the mm -hmm. balls and just afford to live mm -hmm. and you could literally say that's the same thing today yeah it's yeah, so no real progress. Not really. A little bit, but not anything worth anything. I mean, God, I shouldn't say that. Any any progress is good, but very it little just needs to be not where it is. Like it needs to be much better now. I agree. I think um, with RuPaul's Drag Race, the only queer people that have really benefited from that show are cis white gay men. Mm-hmm. I still think, you know, um, there's... Well, it's funny, yeah, because, like, obviously there's... I mean, I will credit RuPaul's Drag Race for giving a lot of representation overall, but, um, like, if you think to all their all-stars, like, the majority of people who have won... Like, I think that's pretty... Um, it speaks volumes about what's happening. <laughs> like, it's... I don't know. It's, like, a weird, like, you have to really be, um, mindful of that kind of thing. And I, and there was that big debate about, like, why did both, uh, Trinity and... Monet yeah, exchange. Monet, you're like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think is pretty transparent, but it's also, like, nobody really knows, but it's also, like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I don't know. But it, but overall, it's, like, yeah, this is still bit of a thing like we, why why not do an all people of color all stars like Ooh, that would be there's cool. nothing stopping you from doing that really like therefore you know guaranteed in like a fair way that somebody of color is going to win and it's not it's not like once a person of color solely wins all stars then everything's great i'm just saying things like that like the subtle shit you know that is both subtle and not so subtle um it's just like it's it's pervasive it's everywhere yeah i agree um lgbtq plus people of color really do suffer a lot mm -hmm. and they are the ones that have made the foundation of what you love pretty much mm -hmm. these artists and i know i keep saying artists not just to tie in to the this podcast being an art podcast but like, truly, they were artists. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they really could have been celebrities. Mm -hmm. during If they were born during this time, like, when I was born, like, around 87, um, you know, they probably would have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, even just to have the platform of, like, YouTube. Yeah. Like, that could have really, like, launched a career for some of these folks. You know, and, and, like, the drag scene being what it is now, like, everybody's filming everything all the time, so, like, somebody would get noticed, you yeah. know? 
I don't know. So it's we need to be better. Mm, we need to stop taking. <laughs> I know. We need to stop taking advantage of artists in general. Yeah. We need to stop taking advantage of people of color in general. And we need to stop taking advantage of queer people in general. Mm-hmm. Let's tie it in you. We need to stop taking advantage of queer people of color in general. Yeah. Um, like, if you feel like, hey, I'm going to take a thing and just, like, use it and then make it public, stop. Step back. Take a step back. Take a step back. You, you sit yourself down and you look yourself in the mirror and you say, hey, me, let's talk about this one. Because we need to figure this out. <laughs> Probably shouldn't do it is what I'm trying to say. Um, think before you make something, I guess. Like, or put it out in the world, rather. Um, not that hard. Not that hard at all. And also, if you are going to be making a documentary and you make a great profit from it, maybe maybe pay the people yeah, there, that were in it. There's the, the, the kicker. <laughs> the kicker of it all. Yeah. So, stop taking advantage of people. Cool. Cool. Good, good advice. Good advice. Um, I think we're about to wrap this up, but mm-hmm. I do completely recommend watching Paris is Burning. Even if you are not someone that's really into like the drag race scene or like queer culture, I think it's still a really great documentary to watch. Open your eyes to something that has inspired this generation. Um, open your eyes to people that don't have the opportunities that you do because yeah. I'm going to assume you're white and listening to this. <laughs> so there. Not me, but if you are, especially you. You. <laughs> Talking to you. Mm-hmm. But um, thanks for tuning in and we'll see talk, see talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Before we go, we just want to give some credit to Jonathan Stutz for providing us with um, their amazing music throughout this podcast um if you want to find more of their music including the song that you hear on uh the intro and outro to our podcast it's called rushing you can find that at stutzmusic.bandcamp.com and that's spelled s-t-u-t-z music.bandcamp.com feel free to write to us at drunkartchatpod at gmail.com You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under Drunk Art Chat. Yeah, if you visit our Anchor.fm profile, which is just anchor.fm slash drunk dash art dash chat, you can also donate to us. If you're already supporting us by uh, subscribing, we thank you so much. And if you are feeling generous, you are able to uh, give either 99 cents a month, $4.99, or $9.99. Your choice. Um, or if that, that link is too long to remember, just go to bit.ly slash donate, all one word. And, uh, you know, that money will go towards drinks and paying for our SoundCloud account and all, all sorts of good stuff. All right, well, until next time, I'm Cameron Benamon. I'm Stephanie Ledesma. And this has been Drunk Drunk Art Art Chat. Chat.